Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Leadership Biz Cafe podcast. I'm your host, Tavi Nasir, CEO of Tavi Nasir Leadership. Looking for a keynote speaker or corporate trainer for your next event? Then visit our company's website at tavinasir.com to find out how we can help bring invaluable insights and practical tools to help your organization succeed in achieving its goals. And this episode is sponsored by GoCo. Growing your business is exciting, but hiring and onboarding new employees can be overwhelming, not to mention costly if things go wrong. Thankfully, GoCo can help you with this by automating and streamlining everything you have to do to support your growing team. And you can customize the GoCo platform to support your existing processes, documents, and policies. And they provide you with a dedicated customer success manager to help you maximize the benefits you derive from their platform. And the best part is, you can try it for free with no credit card needed. So go to goco.io slash leadership, that's G-O-C-O dot I-O slash leadership to get started. And with that, let's meet my guest for this episode, John Matone. Ultimately, I think that's the key to growth as a, as, as a person, as a leader, is having a mindset uh, of exactly what we're talking about, that if, you know, if we're going to achieve great things in our life, um, most people are not, are not thinking massively big, you know, most people are thinking comfort zone, you know, what, <laughs> you know, what can I do to stay in my zone? When it comes to leadership, there's a common tendency for leaders to focus on how to improve processes and strategies used to achieve their organization's goals as a way to improve the way they lead. But should we also be looking inwards at ourselves and what shapes and defines who we are as individuals and how that can make us not only more effective, but more successful leaders? That's the idea I'll be exploring in this episode with my guest, John Matone. John is a best-selling author and one of the world's most in-demand CEO coaches and leadership speakers. Since 2017, he has been recognized as one of the top three coaching authorities in the world alongside Tony Robbins and Marshall Goldsmith. John is also the former executive coach to the late Steve Jobs and the former legendary CEO of PepsiCo, Roger Enrico. John's work has been featured in several media outlets, including the Wall Street Journal, Forbes, CNN, Fast Company, and Thinkers 50. He serves on the executive MBA faculty at FAU and is a distinguished senior fellow at Holt International School of Business. John is also the author of nine books, including three bestsellers. And on this episode, we'll be diving into his latest book, The Intelligent Leader, Unlocking Seven Secrets to Leading Others and Leaving Your Legacy. Hi, John. Welcome to the show. Tanvir, great to be with you. Thank you. So, John, as I'm sure you're aware, there are a lot of descriptors or models that are used when we talk about leadership, whether it's transformative leadership, servant leadership, creative leadership, and so on. In your book, you present what you call intelligent leadership. So to help give our listeners a little bit of context here, what do you mean by intelligence leadership? Tanvir, it's a, it's a great question. Um, so, you know, the, the, the notion out there, the construct that I think people have grown to really believe in is, um, hey, an intelligent leader is somebody who's got a strong intellect. Well, that, there's no question that's true. And you know from your own work, there's no shortage of intellect in the world of leadership, in the world of business. Um, but that is not the differentiator. I've discovered through uh, my work as, a, as an executive coach, 
traveling uh, the world, uh, having the privilege to work with so many incredible people, Tanvir, that the differentiator really lies within. And uh, when I talk about within, I talk about the inner core. And I also talk about, uh, as part of the inner core, the complex of uh, elements that really drive our inner core. For example, like our, you know, our self-concept and how important a leader self, balanced self-concept is important for driving good behavior, effective leadership behavior, uh, having uh, an impeccable character. Uh, and, and of course, character is multifaceted uh, as well. Uh, strong value system, positive thinking patterns, good emotional makeup. So long story short, an intelligent leader is somebody who combines a strong intellect with a really strong inner core. And uh, the inner core, another way to look at it is your soul. You know, it's your heart. Uh, and, you know, think of, think, of, think of these elements as engines, Tanvir. If those engines are optimized, the head, heart, and soul, uh, we, we're, we're going to be able to, we're going to be able to move the needle in the world of leadership and, and I think close the leadership gap. So that's, that's how, that's what I would say. You know, and John, as I told you, I really love this idea you present of the importance of the inner core to our ability to successfully lead others. It's something that I have not seen being discussed in other leadership books I've read before and had talked to other people about. I'm just kind of wondering if you could elaborate a bit more on this idea of the inner core and why understanding this element of ourselves is so critical to beginning this process of improving who we are and how we approach leadership. Yeah, so I mean, if you if you look at if you look at the inner core, you're you're looking at uh, individuals um, that you know you, you think about the inner core. Uh, no, nobody, Tanver, nobody sees our inner core except except us. Uh, now, there's a lot of people out there who think they know you, right? But they're, they're judging you based upon behaviors, and they make assumptions about what's happening on the inside. So the incredible opportunity, I think, for leaders out there who are listening in and the future leaders, uh, the massive talent that exists uh, in the young people all over the world who are listening in on this show, is that uh, you've got to make a decision. Uh, to, it's in a conscious decision to go really, really deep inside, maybe for the first time and really ask yourself, and I, and I do it a lot of different ways through obviously assessments and, and questions and so on and so forth as part of my coaching. But it's incredible what I've been able to discover working with some of the top CEOs in the world, for example, who, you know, who partner with me that, you know, Tamber, this could be a 55, 60 year old person. And they look at me and they say, John, it's incredible. You're helping me go very, very deep inside for the first time. And I'm discovering that really deep within my soul, I do have massive gifts and strengths that I've never really utilized. What an incredible thing. Uh, and, and, it, and it might be, you know, it, it might be their, their thinking patterns are very, very strong, mature, and vibrant. And maybe they really never gave themselves credit that they had those positive uh, thinking patterns, Tanvir. The other thing also is that uh, if you can get an executive to have the courage to go inside, lo and behold, they're going to discover also some potential, what I call derailers or bad cholesterol, if you will, that's lurking very deep within their soul. And it's almost like leading indicator information in a business. You know, if you can provide leading indicator information back to them, 
and say, hey, you know, your thinking patterns are off, your emotions are off, your self-concept uh, is off, then uh, you're going to help them uh, get out in front of potentially some bad behavior that might leak to the outer core. So the inner core to me uh, is the absolute key in helping leaders and future leaders become the best that they can be. Anything in the inner core, the beauty in the inner core, if it's beautiful, if it's strong, mature, and vibrant, much higher probability that all that beauty is going to spill to the outer core. Now we flip it, Tanvir, and if you've got weaknesses on the inside, if your character's messed up, right, and you're focused in on the wrong values, and, and your thinking patterns are off, and your self-concept is either inflated or, or you go to the other extreme, you don't believe in yourself, all that bad stuff is also going to spill to the outer core. So the inner core, outer core connection is very, very key in my mind. Well, John, as I said, I have to say this is what I found intriguing about your book is this idea that in order for us to improve the way we act and what people see in us as leaders, what you just mentioned is our outer core, we have to start for, by first looking at in and ourselves at this inner core you just described. Because as you write in your book, uh, most leaders tend to look outwards to figure out how to improve people dynamics or internal processes and not inward on themselves in terms of what they can do to improve how they lead and who they are. I mean, we intuitively understand this, but at the same time, we keep jumping to, that's great, I completely agree with you, but now how do I solve this particular problem? Right? And we're back to that whole outer core thing, and we're overlooking that inner core. And so this is what I love about your book, because it certainly upends what I'm sure many listeners are thinking, in that the real heavy lifting to improve our leadership happens inside who we are if we're going to create enduring, lasting change to improve. Yeah, you got it, Tanvir. And, and the incredible thing is if you give people the constructs, and, and that's, you know, that's what I, I, I believe I've been able to do in this book. Um, you, you know, this, I call them the seven secrets, the seven constructs, uh, the seven, whatever, you know, the seven pillars that if you give people the constructs around what these are and how important they are and give them some ideas about what they can do to trigger positive movement in these seven uh, secrets, in these seven pillars, you're, you're going to help them uh, tremendously. Um, and, and the incredible thing is that, you know, I think that when people read the book, a lot of it's going to hit them. But just like executive coaching, um, you know, when you put your head on the pillow at night, Tanvir, you know, and you start to reflect on maybe what you learned in that coaching session, uh, and in the case of a book, that really moves you and really hits your soul. You know, when, when you put your head on the pillow at night and you allow that information to soak into your fiber, lo and behold, you start to, you start to, you know, you start to trigger positive movement. And that's what I, what I hope uh, I've been able to do. And see, your point is a really good one because, you know, I just think of an executive, uh, you know, I, I very humbled, you know, I get calls from executives and, some government leaders all over the world, they say, hey, you know, we'd like to work with you. And, and I'm very, very humbled to have the incredible privilege, you know, to, to work with these amazing people. Um, and I know you feel the same way, too, how much we learn, Tanvir, from these people. Absolutely. You know, we hope we move them. But ultimately, in the end, I hop on airplanes and I say, it is unbelievable what I just, I just learned. Um, you know, the, the thing is that um, I get paid as a coach not to be a clinical psychologist, okay? So to our discussion right now, 
Um, I want to help leaders go deep. You know what I'm saying? I, I want to help them with my tools uh, to go really, really deep uh, into their inner core and begin to see what's working, potentially what's not working. Now, if we go too far, uh, my experience is you're, you're going to lose your credibility. So the absolute key is to help a leader go really, really deep inside. And I think the book does this, by the way. Uh, I, I hope it does that you drive them deep enough where they uh, are vulnerable enough to see what's working, what's not, but then you help them translate what they've learned about their inner core into driving greatness in the outer core. You see, so when somebody hires me to coach, they don't hire me really necessarily to help them with their inner core. I just kind of use it as an instigator to driving greatness in their outer core, which might be, for example, their strategic thinking skills, right? Which, which may have been the reason they ultimately call me, you know, at the beginning, they, they, they may have said, Hey, Johnny, you know, I got to help. I got to become a better strategic thinker. I got to be better with my team. You know, those are all outer core things, but the pathway to your point to igniting greatness in the outer core is the inner core. Um, so you got it. Uh, to me, uh, there's a, you know, there's a lot of coaches out there. And I know you know this, who use 360-degree surveys. I do too, right? 360-degree survey is a calibration of the outer core. You know, it's a way for the world to say, hey, Tanvir, here's how the world sees you, right? Um, so what I do is I interplay the 360 typically with three or four inner core assessments, deep inner core, and one of them's mine, by the way. And then the key uh, is to interplay the information. And what's unbelievable, inevitably, is that when you work with a leader and you show them this corroborative information, so the 360 says this about Tanvir, right? We look at the intercore assessments and they yield the same information. So we've got corroborative information, both good and bad. But the unbelievable thing is there's always going to be discrepant information, Tanvir, right? So 360 might say Tanvir is really good in something, but wait a minute, the objective assessments don't yield the same information. Well, that discrepancy is very important to understand. You know, if you're a leader, you need to know that the objective assessments are telling you you're actually not as strong as you think. You, you see what I'm saying? So it is, in, in my mind, uh, and I've known this for years, and, and I've, I've been trying to move the needle on it, and I think you know, the book is going to address it. If we, we have, if your listeners uh, uh, have the courage uh, and, and everybody's got the, the capability for massive courage to go deep, you know, to make, like you said, to go deep inside and, 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 and also have the ability to connect what they learn about their inside with what they know that people say about their skills and behaviors as leaders on the outside. Maybe they do a 360 or whatever. Maybe they're looking at a recent 360. Let me tell you what. Uh, and then they put an action plan together, a leadership development plan, and they, and they commit to it. Uh, we're we're going to be able to help uh, people become, become better. So, you know, um, does that make sense? That makes perfect sense. In fact, you've already got me thinking about uh, actually looking at a quote that I'm actually going to read from your book here because you mentioned earlier those seven secrets or those seven dimensions that you write about that are the key to this intelligent leadership and how we can basically connect that inner core with the outer core. And this idea that you brought up about having the courage to change, 
brings me to one of those dimensions you write about that really resonated with me, which is the one you describe as being thinking differently, thinking big, because this is definitely something I've seen through my work that leaders are most definitely falling short upon acting on. And the reason I brought up is because as soon as you said it, I remembered a passage from your book uh, when you were describing courage. And in your chapter on thinking differently, thinking big, you write, if you want to get different results in your personal life or in your businesses, if that is the vision that you embrace, then you have to have the courage to step outside of your comfort zone and disrupt yourself. You have to be willing to think as big as possible about yourself and what you have to contribute to the world. And I think this is exactly the courage that you're talking about here right now in regards to when we get that 360 feedback, what are we going to then do about it in terms of addressing our inner core and connecting it to what we want to be putting out through our outer core? Yes, uh, absolutely. And, you know, uh, you know, the work that we do, Tanvir, what a privilege, uh, you know, to be able to help people do this, um, really to create, you know, new comfort zones when you think about it, right. Um, that yield more pleasure, uh, more positive results in their life, uh, in their families, in their businesses. And, you know, lo and behold, um, you know, you're going to disrupt that zone again and again and again. It's never going to end. And ultimately, I think that's the key to growth as a, as, as a person, as a leader, is having a mindset uh, of exactly what we're talking about, that if, you know, if we're going to achieve great things in our life, um, most people are not, are not thinking massively big, you know. Most people are thinking comfort zone, you know. What, you know, what can I do to stay in my zone? And maybe they push the envelope a little bit, but ultimately um, for us to really uh, unleash uh, the incredible potential that exists within each and every one of us, we've got to embrace this notion of, um, you know, it's not about the vision of the essence of the person that I want to become. You, you think about this, Tianvir, how many people walk around every day and they think about, you know, this is what I want to achieve. You know, this is the kind of money that I want to make. This is the kind of position that I aspire to, right? It's what I want. And what I've discovered in my work is, uh, and, and I know you see this too, that the people who actually get there uh, are, are asking themselves that their construct is bigger. So it's not so much the vision of the essence of the person or leader I want to become, it's the vision of the essence of the personal leader I must become, right? Big difference between the two. Mm-hmm. Yep. You, you, right? I mean, when, when it's must become, in, it, there's, a, there's, an account, there's a built-in accountability uh, and a recognition that uh, you are accountable to the people around you, your family, uh, your organization, the people who rely on you. And that's the reason, guess what? You exist as a person. It's not about you. You know, and that's the amazing thing about leadership. Um, and by the way, I learned this. I'm 63, by the way. Uh, I, I, I learned these lessons very late in my life. You know, um, I was pretty successful. You know, I had my own business and, uh, you know, from age 30 to 40, went back in the corporate world for 15 years and then relaunched my business, Tanvir, at 55. So eight years ago, I went to my wife and I said, you know, I got to go back and do what I was putting in the earth to do. She was incredibly supportive. And I always ask myself, you know, why, why am I not breaking through, you know? And, um, you know, I don't know what it was. Uh, I think I just matured, 
you know, I finally realized that I, I, I was, I, I finally realized that the journey that I was walking wasn't about me. It, it was about um, touching hearts, minds, and souls, you know, and, and to do it authentically from the depths of my soul. If I were to commit to that, right, authentically every single day, uh, I would bring abundance to the world. And, and I got to tell you, the last eight years have been amazing. So many incredible things have happened. I shared these messages with executives that I work with, you know, and how many leaders I work with, they say, you know, it's about me. And, you know, and you can tell they may not come across selfish, but they, you know, they, they, you've met them, right? They're selfish. The journey of leadership has really very little to do with you. Uh, it, It has to do with thinking massively big that you're on the earth, right? To touch hearts, minds, and souls and bring abundance. That's the only reason that you're on the earth, period. End of story. So that's how I look at leadership. That's great. And uh, again, you know, you're, you're, you're making me being drawn to another one of these uh, leadership secrets. <laughs> but I still want to talk, finish talking about thinking uh, d- differently and thinking deep because one of the things you suggest of how do we go about doing this is actually one of the things that I've not only written about, but I share through keynotes on my book, Leadership Vertigo, which is that we have to make literally make time in your workday to think. Right. Yeah. And it's again, it's one of the things I find so many leaders, we they're just, I'm just so busy. I don't have time for this. And it's like, but you need that time. Yeah. It's absolutely critical. This is a mission critical step you need to take. And every leader that I know that has decided to take this initiative on comes back to me. And I'm sure you're the same, John, and says, my God, what, what a gift this is. I didn't realize how powerful this tool is. And it's such a simple one. But I didn't realize that just saying to myself, I'm going to find time in my work week, my work day, or if you if you really can't do it, your month, and I'm just going to dedicate that time to just thinking. And thinking, like you said, thinking big and thinking differently. Dream. Dream. Let it go. You know? Exactly. I'm with you 100%. And um, you probably remember this. In the book, I talk about it because... The long trips that I take, you know, I just got back from the Middle East, for example, you know, and, and what I wrote in the book was that I never watch movies and I never listen to music. And by the way, I, I, I never pull out my, my laptop ever on these long trips. You know what I do, Tanvir? I think that's all. And people must look at me and say, there's something wrong with that guy over there. Look at that guy. Yeah. What's he doing over there? Right. Everybody's watching. I don't do any of that stuff. All I do is think. And it's unbelievable how invigorated I feel when I get off the airplane. Um, I can't tell you how many new projects, uh, new ideas have been, um, have been, uh, created. Uh, have been, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, Uh, spawned, you know, from just taking the time out to think. And um, it's becoming harder and harder to do that. So you got to find time, whether it's on flights, get up early in the morning, um, you know, uh, give yourself time to actually uh, let your mind go. And I think that's going to help a lot of people. So I'm with you 100% on that. Absolutely. And as I said, there was something you mentioned earlier about having that courage to disrupt our comfort zone. And it made me think about that other leadership dimension that you write about here for how we can tap into this intelligent leadership model. And that is, and I love the name of this, the vulnerability decision, right? Yes. 
Yes. I mean, there's a lot of people who've been writing out about how it's important that leaders become more vulnerable. But I love how when you write about it, it's that it shouldn't be about something that happens to us, but that it's really about us making a decision, a choice to make ourselves vulnerable. So, John, could you walk us through this? Why is being vulnerable as a leader key to our long-term success and growth? And why should leaders see this as a decision they make, which I absolutely love? Yeah, so it's, 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 it's beautiful, Tanvir. A couple of things. One is, um, to me, the vulnerability decision is an ideal counterbalance to thinking differently, thinking big. It keeps, um, it keeps things in check. Uh, so if you look at, uh, for example, any successful organization, right? Um, you know, what organization out there doesn't have mission, vision, purpose, right? So uh, let's think differently and think big about where our organization must go. All reflected in that vision statement, right? Mission statement gets retranslated in the strategy, so on and so forth. Human beings are the same way, right? So I kind of look at leadership development as, boy, if I can help a leader incite their mindset to really be disruptive, right? And, and, and kind of see with the end in mind and kind of see it, the new comfort zone, see it actually play out, um, feel it and believe it, then that's a good foundation for inciting movement. And that's, but, but if it gets carried away, Tanvir, we've got an egomaniac running around, you, you know? So, so I think vulnerability is a perfect counterbalance to thinking differently and thinking big. And oh, by the way, it's not only a beautiful counterbalance, lo and behold, it's the instigator to growth in a person, right? So when you think about vulnerability, um, if you make the conscious decision to raise your hand and say, you know something, I know I'm really, really good, but I'm not as good as I need to be. Uh, that's an important decision. That's an important recognition that should be embraced. Um, so uh, it, it can also be reflected in just being open to feedback and perspective, you know, from your family and people around you and just being open to ideas. We have a choice with feedback. We can accept it or reject it, right? But if we reject it, we lose a choice that goes with behaving differently, which might in fact, right, give us more abundance. So um, vulnerability to me, uh, if you don't, uh, understand it, you don't embrace it, you don't internalize it and you don't role model it. It's absolutely impossible for you to unleash growth in, in you. And here's another very interesting thing. Um, parents, uh, globally, uh, it doesn't matter what nation I have ever visited. Uh, when I'm around families with, you know, uh, I get invited to houses, you know, the sponsors who bring me in, so on and so forth. It's amazing what uh, parents all over the world do uh, and what parents share in terms of teaching their children values. Um, there isn't a parent in the world that doesn't teach their kids the strength of vulnerability, right? That um, if you're a parent in, uh, in, in Africa, in the Middle East, in the Far East, in the United States, South America, you teach your kids to, to listen, right, to feedback, uh, uh, to listen, uh, 
in, in places where they worship, schools, right? It's all taught. And lo and behold, we get into the business world, we seem to forget the, the important values that we were taught. We need, to, we, we need to dust this off and we need to polish it in executives and teach executives to, uh, to look inside, right? Vulnerability decision is, is one where you um, have the courage to look inside. The vulnerability decision is one where you have the courage to go to your team and say, I need your input, I need your feedback. Vulnerability decision is having the courage to go to your family and say, hey, you know, uh, I, I know I'm pretty good as a, as a father or mother or whatever, uh, but I know I can get better. I'm open, right? I'm open. Um, Canveer, here's the thing. Most executives have a tendency to look at the decision to be vulnerable, not as a courageous decision, right? And I know you've seen this before too. They, they tend to look at it as, boy, this is kind of moving into the weak zone you know? And so therefore there's a hesitancy to move in that direction. But lo and behold, if we can embrace vulnerability, guess what? We're going to grow. We're going to role model growth. And oh, by the way, about this whole notion of being innovative, right? And I know your clients are looking for innovation, right? Not a client in the world doesn't want innovation. Well, guess what? If you get a bunch of senior executives who are not vulnerable, there's no way that you can invite <laughs> the way you can have an innovative culture. It, it doesn't exist. So I, I'm glad you pointed out uh, vulnerability is, uh, to, to me, I mean, I love all seven. Um, I, I think this is a really, really big one for, for all of us to um, not only ignite continuous growth, but to role model it uh, to, the, to the people around us. So I hope that makes sense. It does, and, and I'm actually glad that you brought up that point about innovation and the, the relationship of in, being able to successfully innovate with vulnerability because when I was reading this chapter, as I'm sure you've read and heard, this is what came to mind, that how many leaders feel encouraged to promote this notion of failing fast, that while failure is a reality of operating in today's world, let's just find a way to get over it and keep pressing ahead. But as I was reading this chapter on vulnerability, it's interesting to think that perhaps our desire to fail fast is because of the discomfort we feel of being vulnerable in that moment where we fail, and that being open to accepting our mistakes, our failures, allows us to not only learn more effectively about how we can do better going forward, but it also allows us to really strengthen that interconnectedness between leaders and employees because we can now reinforce that idea of how we're all in this together. Right, which goes back to that idea of thinking differently, thinking bigger. It does. It does. It does. And you and you can see the connections now between they're not all completely independent uh, secrets. I mean, they're, they're, there's obviously they're all connected. Um, but you bring up some really good stuff here because um, you know this this whole notion of of vulnerability uh, is, is incredibly powerful. Uh, to actually experience. And, you know, part of the coaching that I do, Tanvir, is I teach executives um, to embrace uh, vulnerability, but you can't force it either, you know? So I might tell them, hey, you're going to be sharing your individual leadership development plan once we co-create it with your team, you know? And they might look at me and say, I'm a little bit uncomfortable doing that, right? So I don't really worry about that. Because I know that through the coaching process, once I get them comfortable 
into a zone where they see, wow, being vulnerable actually is not a bad thing, right? And they start to experience it. When they get to the point of actually sharing their leadership development plan with their team, it's transformative. And it becomes uh, an instigator to innovation, uh, to this team work, right? Ultimately, where everybody comes together and they say, it's about us, right? It's about us. And I've got my, my leader who it just demonstrated incredible courage, you know, by sharing their leadership development plan with me, you know, and I'm, I'm an employee. And, and uh, that, that's incredible. I've never seen that before. And, and how many executives might look at that at the outset and say, boy, that's kind of, it's kind of going to hurt my leadership. But in reality, it, it, it's just the opposite, Tanvir. What, what happens is the team unites. They come together and they say, we got a leader who's a real leader here. That, that's called authenticity right there, right? Unbelievable. Very powerful. Right. And, you know, John, I know we could talk a lot more about this, but I want to I talk about another dimension of intelligent leadership and write about that I really liked. And it's the one you call staying present and being vigilant. And there's a line in your book that I really like here. You write, if you want to be a strong leader, it's absolutely imperative that you find a way to make time for people, no matter how busy you are. Doing so lets other people know that you value them. It builds trust, which is exactly what you just pointed out in that story you were sharing about leaders sharing their leadership development plan. Now, I think this line captures the essence of this dimension you write about, but I know this is something I've encouraged leaders to do, that is to get out of their heads, not only understand the realities of those they lead, but to connect with their employees in a meaningful way. And typically the pushback comes from how they have little time in their day. There's so many demands they face for their time and attention. So I get why this is important, but I want you, John, to convince our listeners out there not only why this is critical, but more importantly, how can they do this when we're now operating at a much faster pace than we did 10 or even five years ago? Yeah, so beautiful stuff. Uh, Technology is a beautiful thing. Um, obviously, but there's, you know, there, there's the other side to it as well. So I just got back from the Middle East. Uh, I'm working with, uh, with actually a few CEOs over, uh, over there. And I do a lot of shadowing Tanvir. You know, I get a chance to actually watch these executives in action. It's beautiful. It's incredible what I'm able to learn. And every single one of them did not uh, embrace this pillar of being present uh, in their meetings with uh, not only the one-on-one meetings that I sat in on, but also their team meetings. You know what got in the way? Telephone calls and text messages. And, and, and you, could, you could see that they were not present. Um, so you, you asked me a really important question, um, which is the listeners uh, thinking about what it is that we're talking about and being really motivated to, to do it. Well, um, you, you know, the, the human touch, um, we're, we're losing it. Um, and when you think about the obligation and the responsibility that we have as leaders to ultimately touch the hearts and the minds and the souls of people around us, we're not going to do it through cell phones and we're not going to do it through technology. We're only going to do it through the human condition, the heart, heart to heart, right? Eyeball to eyeball. Um, and, and ultimately this whole notion of uh, creating engagement in people where, where people feel connected 
engaged, uh, happy, right, with their existence is truly a function as a leader. And this is true as a parent, too. It's, it's true in our homes, Tanvir, right? Being courteous, being compassionate, being altruistic, right? That's the heart, right? Right. It takes courage to show your heart. It takes presence to show your heart. But what ends up happening is when you're present and your heart um, spills into the world and people see it as authentic, where you are truly altruistic, you're truly courteous and you're truly compassionate, you know what you ignite in that human being around you is, is a sense of centeredness and a sense of happiness and a sense of, of engagement. Uh, that's, the, that's the role of the leader. That's the role of being a human being. I, I really believe this is, is to create happiness in others. <laughs> and oh, by the way, I don't know about, about you, uh, although I would say you're, you're the same with, as me, but if we create happiness in others, what a beautiful way to create happiness in ourselves. The only way to do it is by being present. Laser focus in. What a privilege it is. And that's, that's what I tell a lot of executives that, listen, you know, um, you, you, it's, almost like, it's almost like an athlete, you know, before an athlete uh, takes the basketball court or, you know, takes the field. Um, they, they play the game before they actually step on the field or the court. That game's already played in their mind. The greatest athletes in the world have already played the game before they play the game, right? And I, and I think what we've got to do is help leaders uh, embrace the same mindset that um, what, what, a, what an amazing privilege it is to be able to be with you, right? And, and so right now I'm talking with you, Tanvir. My mindset is thank you authentically from the depths of my heart for this incredible opportunity to spend time with you and your listeners, right? It's a privilege. And, and, and when you understand privilege, right, and you really embrace it, nothing else matters, right? Nothing else matters. Now, I got a lot of things going on. So do you, right? We all do. But ultimately, if we, if we can condition our mindset that what we're doing right now is a privileged opportunity. Why is it privileged? Well, it's privileged because I'm going to get an opportunity here to learn, right? This is the executive sitting with their team, right? They're going to be enriched with what they hear. They may not hear everything that they want to hear, right? In fact, they might get upset, but guess what? You're going to be enriching your soul to the extent that your, 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 your mindset is, is one of privilege and that keeps you present. So I, ho I hope that helps a little bit. Oh, I love it. What a beautiful way to describe it. And, you know, when you were mentioning that example of these, when you were shadowing these executives and you were seeing how most of the times when they're not present, it's because of their phone, right? It reminded me of how I took note of something you wrote. What we have to do when it comes to being present is to do something what you call the disciplined pursuit of less and just say, what should I be focusing on that's truly important and what's not? And, you know, let's face it, our smartphones, yes, they're great tools, but they're also fantastic distractions from us being able to really be present and there for our employees to show them, look, as you just said with me, and I'm, I'm truly grateful for it, that you're saying how, look, I want to be truly present here because having this conversation with you is important. It matters. And I want for us to engage in a meaningful fashion where maybe we can both gain some new insights, gain something new from each other through this conversation, through this interaction. 
I couldn't say it better. I'm with you 100%. Um, you know, and, and these executives, these really successful executives, you know, they, they, they walk into meetings, maybe not as prepared as they need to be. You, you know what I'm saying? It's all mindset, all of it. Um, I'm a big, big fan of, of sports. And uh, in fact, I, 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 I work with a couple professional athletes, humbly said, uh, it's incredible to work with these people. Um, it, it's really no different. Tanvir than, than coaching a CEO. It really isn't. It's, it's incredible. Everything that we do is mindset, right? Back, back to inner core, back to inner core. You know, it, thoughts control emotions, emotions control behavior, behavior controls results. There's an algorithm. So if your mindset is correct, your emotions are going to be correct. Your behavior is going to be correct and you're going to get beautiful results in your life. It's an algorithm. It's predictable. Right. I love it. You know, John, I knew we wouldn't be able to tackle all the dimensions. We only touched on three of the seven, <laughs> and it's not because the other ones aren't good. In fact, there are a few others I wanted to touch on, but, you know, we, we'd be here forever. So yeah, I have I one final question for you, and I'd like for you to share why this is important. Why should leaders make this shift, and what's that one sparking idea you want them to ponder to help them begin this process? Well, I, I think, I, I think uh, it comes down to uh, it's non-negotiable. Tanvir. Um, I, I look at every human being on the earth as uh, they're on the earth for a reason. And every human being on the earth has got massive gifts and strengths. And I know you see this too in your work. Most people are not optimized, right? Most people are not uh, leveraging their gifts and strengths. Most people don't really know what their gifts and strengths are. My hope is that um, when, when people have the opportunity to read the book and reflect on it, put their head on the pillow at night, talk to others about it, that it ignites in them the appreciation for the massive gifts that they have in their heart and their souls. And I hope it instigates them to say, boy, you know, yeah, I got weaknesses to work on, but you know something, what this book is telling me is I've got incredible gifts and strengths and I got to bring them to the world. And, and that, that really, I tell you what, if the book does that um, to one person, literally one, uh, that, uh, I'm a happy guy, you know, I, I'm really happy. So that's what I would say. I love that, John. And as I said at the start, John, I really appreciate how you frame this idea in your book of how our ability to become a better leader doesn't start outside of ourselves, but within ourselves in understanding how do we connect with that inner core you described earlier with what employees and others around us see us saying and doing. And I hope these dimensions we've talked about today really help our listeners not only see the value in this approach, but also that the, how they can get started and live up to that potential that exists within them, which you just said. It was such a pleasure talking to you, John. I really appreciate you sharing your insights with my listeners. Tanvir, what a great opportunity, privileged, privileged opportunity, Tanvir, to be with you today. You keep up your great work. You're, you're, you're moving the world. Um, and I have massive appreciation and respect for the work that you're doing. And your listeners, thank you so much for allowing me to talk with your, your, your listeners. And uh, again, what a privilege uh, to be with them as well. I've been talking with John Matone about his new book, The Intelligent Leader, Unlocking Seven Secrets to Leading Others and Leaving Your Legacy. To learn more about John's work, check out the show notes for this episode on our podcast page at tavernasir.com slash LBC. 
And that's a wrap for this episode of Leadership Biz Cafe, brought to you by Tammy Nasir Leadership. Looking for a keynote speaker or corporate trainer for your next event? Then visit our company's website at tavinasir.com to find out how we can bring these kinds of insights to your organization, either at an upcoming conference, leadership retreat, or for a corporate training event. And this episode has been sponsored by GoCo. Hiring and onboarding new employees can be time-consuming and tedious, but thanks to GoCo, you can streamline and automate this process to help your employees hit the ground running. And as it can be customized to your workflow, it will not only help you save time, but avoid any costly mistakes involved in onboarding and employee management. And remember, the best part is you can try GoCo for free with no expiration date and no credit card needed. So go to goco.io slash leadership. That's G-O-C-O dot I-O slash leadership and discover how GoCo can help improve your onboarding and employee management processes. Now, If you have any questions or comments, drop me a note through the contact form on my website. And if you enjoyed this episode, please do share it with a colleague, with your team, or with your boss to allow them to reap the benefits as well. And remember, you can find all episodes of this show, as well as links to subscribe on iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher Radio on our podcast page at tavernasir.com slash LBC. So if you want to share this podcast with others... That's a great way to do it. And with that, I'm Tammy Nasir, and you've been listening to Leadership Biz Cafe.